What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being the host for this series and also for the TV series. As you've learned so far, we do our best in our series on Transform to take God's Word and apply it to your life. And today I want to do that with applying God's Word to anger. Now, big picture, I don't have to describe anger for you just a whole lot. When I say that word, it most likely conjures up different perspectives. Some of us grew up in angry households, and we can distinctively remember arguments with our parents. We can remember a sibling that was angry and belligerent at times, and we can look back at maybe even mistreatment by, the, by others where their anger was directed toward us. And it, it stinks to say this as well, but some of us can look back to maybe times where our anger has gotten out of control. I want to address that today and, and in a very real sense, try to bring God's word to bear on your anger. However, note that anger isn't something that just magically disappears. Uh, anger, as you'll see, is something that God sets you apart from and you put on peace and patience. So I'm not going to try to teach a miraculous healing from your anger. I want to show you what the Bible says about anger. So let's first of all try to get on the same page about definitions when we're talking about anger. One of the best resources you can find on anger is going to be Robert Jones's Uprooting Anger. You can go to the transformed.org website and you'll see books and resources that we recommend there. I encourage you, if you're wanting to study the subject, pick that book up because Dr. Jones is going to address anger properly. And one of the definitions that he's going to give us is kind of this working definition of what anger is. Anger is a response and sometimes an emotional one. It's a response to a perceived injustice. And in general, when we're talking about anger, we're talking about something that has happened in the inner person. So within your own mind, within your own thought, your own cognition, you have perceived someone else did something that was wrong. And I'm going to couple emotions with that as well. So emotional responses are often angry responses. Very rarely are we angry in our blood. What, what is our blood pressure, I could say? Very rarely is your blood pressure at the same level when you're angry. Oftentimes when a person is angry, they don't have to tell you that. You can look at them. Even their face is a little bit redder than normal. The vein in their forehead is pulsating a little bit stronger than normal. Their, their even demeanor, their shoulders, the way that they're standing, it's like, oh, goodness, like this person is not happy right now. They're the like stomping bull that's about to run me over because our emotions are very much connected to our anger, although not always connected to our anger. So when we're talking about anger, it's that perceived injustice. It's something that's taking place within you where you are now judging or you're seeing that something has taken place where that is not correct. Uh, so when in counseling, I am not just focused on the manifestations of anger. I'm wanting to know what made you mad or why was that so angering? Ask yourself the question, what about that encouraged me to be mad? 
When you answer that question, we're now getting at the root of anger. In our series, I have consistently talked about the heart and getting to the heart of the matter. And when we answer those questions, what were you wanting when you got angry? What did you think was wrong about that circumstance? We're now getting to the root of the issue. And that root of the issue is going to be central to understanding anger. It's not about breathing techniques. It's not about running more so you can handle stress better. It's about addressing what were you wanting in that moment and you didn't get it. So you became angry. And so that's your perceived injustice. But I want to add another P word, not to satisfy the Baptist pastor within me, but the reality is that some people get angry as a means of protection. In counseling, I find it interesting that these big, strong husbands will get angry at their wife, get loud, puffy, slam doors, sometimes even get violent to protect something. Anger is used to like keep you away. So you get loud, you, t- you, you yell at people, maybe even get violent, but you do that to keep them from getting too close to something that you really, really like. You really, really love that thing. Oftentimes it's you have an insecurity, someone gets close to it and boom, you lash out with anger and it backs them off. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Okay. Or you have something that's dear to you. Uh, Think of like your own comfort and your own peace. And someone begins to disrupt that and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa." Like, hey, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you're lashing at me in anger, but I'm sorry. Like, let's talk about something else. Let's go somewhere else. I don't want to address that issue. It's because anger is a means of protecting something that we are valuing. In that way, anger isn't really the issue. It's what are you valuing more than you value Jesus that is encouraging you to be angry? So you may love your comfort more than you love Jesus, and you're willing to get angry at people to protect your comfort. You may love a good image of yourself. You may love your own view of yourself so much that if someone insults it or someone tugs at your view of you, you get angry at them. And that's your way of pushing them back and saying, hey, like, leave me alone. Get off of that. Don't talk about that. Whatever you talk about, don't talk about that one. All right. Well, anger isn't really the issue. It's more of the outworking of the issue. It's what's happening in your inner person. So what is anger? In general, we're talking about that perceived injustice. It comes with a level of emotions. Or we're talking about this habit of protecting something, protecting something that you value. Comfort, your perspective of yourself, your family. Like, what is it that your anger is protecting? Now, how does anger manifest itself? And with this first category, most of you are going to hear and be like, you know what, Dr. Gifford, heard it a thousand times, seen it a thousand times in myself and in others. But I think the second category you'll actually find to be something that is perhaps a little more insightful. So first category are things that are obvious. What culminates when we leave our anger unchecked? Well, Jesus is going to say, if you're angry in your heart with your brother, then the reality is that you've already committed murder. So I I don't want to in any way lessen anger. And if anger is unchecked, it will culminate in things like murder. In fact, we look at Cain, Genesis chapter four, you see that he was willing to murder because of his perceived injustice of how God accepted his brother's sacrifice and not his own. We're going to see that Paul, before he was a Christian, so Saul, was breathing out murderous threats against the church. So he was so in favor of Judaism that he was willing to persecute and to kill 
if we're not careful, if anger is left unchecked, it can culminate in things as serious as violence, murder. Most of us haven't made it to that level yet. Not that we're inherently better than others, but we have made it to the level of getting so mad that we use our words in violent ways or we use our words to weaponize them. We insult people, we reproach, we call people names, we put people down, uh, maybe at the point of cursing at them, and that's anger. Those words are coming from anger. So biblical counselors, uh, Dr. J. Adams in particular, started using this explode type of way of describing it. So these are all the symptoms of an explosion where your anger gets so hot that like lava out of a volcano, it just erupts and you get violent, you yell at people, you slam things, and perhaps it culminates all the way with murder. That's the explosions. That's the things that come out. And most of us, we've seen those and we know that those are things that are not desirable. I've yet to meet a person that says, you know what? I really think giving into my anger and cursing people out is such a great idea. I'm going to continue that. Most of us are like, yeah, we know that's wrong, but we get so angry. It feels like we cannot control it, although we can. The last category is going to be the things that aren't as explosive, but it's the things that we, we kind of tuck away. The things that we clam up. So instead of exploding, I clam up. Think of anger as being me being pouty. Uh, Pookie, pookie, pouty, Greg. I'm mad at you. (laughs) I'm mad at you, so I'm not going to talk to you today. And then I'm just kind of like puffy. You know, I won't make eye contact with you. I'm slamming the doors. Is everything fine, Greg? Yeah, that's I'm fine. As I slammed the cabinet door, I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem like fine, but I guess that's fine to you. That's like me withdrawing and I'm mad at you. And you know I'm mad at you. I'm just not screaming and yelling and punching things. I'm just, I'm pouty Greg today. Well, if pouty Greg comes out, that's still a form of anger. I'm just now getting quiet and clamming up about this. Sometimes what will take place is, I will withdraw from people when I'm angry at them. I literally avoid. This is what we can do. When we're angry, we just kind of avoid you. And we don't really care to see you. We're not going to respond to your text messages. We're mad at you. And the iron curtain has come down. Ting, 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 ting. And we're like, hey, like we're mad. We don't want to talk to you. Call us in three days when our blood pressure has gone back down. But what's happening still is we're angry. In fact, Some of us use our silence as a punishment of other people when angry. Uh, And and we're like, well, you know, at least I'm not yelling at you. It's like, well, yeah, we're thankful you're not yelling at us. But yet this is also a sinful expression of anger when I'm weaponizing my words and my communication against you to punish you. It's like, well, okay, you made me mad, so you don't get to talk to me. Well, these forms of clamming up, as we would call it in biblical counseling, are going to be equally unbiblical forms, but they're also equal forms of the manifestations of anger. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk through the dangers of anger when left unchecked. We'll be right back. Okay, so we'll get back to Greg and... Let me let me rephrase that. Dr. Gifford, got to be more formal. Dr. Gifford, we'll be back with him in just a moment. He's sharing some really, really good information this week on anger. It, it Look, I, we all have emotional issues that we struggle with. Anger is that issue for me. 
And so all of this is resonating this week with me, and maybe it is for you too. And if it is, let me recommend another resource that could help you dive even deeper into understanding and dealing with your anger. It's called Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones. And let me just read you a snippet from this book. The root of all sinful anger is idolatry, putting ourselves in the center of our world instead of God, and it manifests itself in self-centeredness and pride. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking the same thing I thought when I read that the first time. There ain't no way that's what I'm doing when I get angry. Let me just say that you should read the rest of this book. Pick this resource up. Again, it's available on our website, transformed.org. And while you're there at transformed.org, I also want to ask you to maybe possibly consider becoming a gospel partner because it's your support, your partnership, your help that actually allows us the ability to produce and share life-changing content just like you find right here on Transformed please prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner because it's your support that's going to help us continue to help people find these biblical solutions to their emotional struggles. And also, that's not it. We're also equipping others to become biblical counselors in their local churches. And speaking of equipping Christians to become biblical counselors, if you've thought about becoming a biblical counselor or getting started on the journey to becoming a biblical counselor, Let me recommend that you pick up How to Counsel Biblically by Dr. John MacArthur. Look, you know anything Dr. MacArthur writes and puts out is going to be number one comprehensive. It's going to be thoughtful, and it's definitely going to be helpful. Listen to this. Dr. MacArthur says, Biblical counseling is never about merely changing external behaviors. It aims to transform the heart to change the way we think and feel about life. Dr. John MacArthur's How to Counsel Biblically at Transformed.org. Now, before we get back to Dr. Gifford and we start digging a little deeper into our anger, let me also encourage you to personally reach out to Dr. Gifford. Like I said just a few minutes ago, we all have emotional issues that we struggle with. And if you have some that you need some help with, you can always email him at greg at transformed.org. And you can also request to remain anonymous. That's perfectly fine. Our goal is not to embarrass. Our goal is to help you with your issues. So let's continue doing that now. Let's get back to the man himself, Dr. Greg Gifford, and learn more about dealing with our anger from a biblical perspective. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back. On this episode, we've been talking about anger and what it is and its manifestation so far. As you're listening to this podcast, you may have questions that come up. I encourage you. We have an email. It's greg at transformed.org. If you have questions for me or things you'd like to share about the show, I would love to hear from you and then also take some time to answer those questions on air. So feel free to write to greg at transformed.org. Now to talk about the dangers of our anger. If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, I'd like you to grab it and open up to Psalm 51. When we talk about anger, I want to first of all address the biggest danger 
of your anger. And what may be surprising to you is that I'm not going to start with the consequences of murder. And that's obviously a problem. I hope you see that as a problem. I'm not going to talk about the consequences of your children not wanting to be around you. And that's obviously a problem as well. We don't want to be angry parents and push away our children. The Bible tells us not to exasperate them or discourage them. That's not the biggest problem, though, fundamentally with anger. When we talk about sinful anger, what is the biggest problem with anger? Well, the biggest problem, Psalm 51, verse 4 When David is caught in an adulterous relationship, he speaks of his sin in this way. He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's a pretty significant statement in light of the relational destruction, the murder, uh, the heinous things that David committed with Bathsheba. For him to say against you and you only have I sinned, it's not to minimize the devastation done to Bathsheba and Uriah. It's to say when we sin, we sin first of all against God. What makes anger such a problem is that, first of all, I don't just sin against other people when I give in to sinful anger. First of all, I sin against the Lord. And that's the biggest problem. That's, that's what makes it a sin is because God has told me to be a man of self-control. God has told me to be patient. God has told me to be long-suffering and merciful. And when I am impatient, quick-tempered, quick to respond, violent, loud, cursing, it's not only that I'm hurting other people, and I am, it's that I'm sinning against the Lord and I'm not doing what he's called me to do. I'm not being who he has called me to be. The fundamental danger to anger is not the consequences of your sin. It's that you're not being who God's called you to be. You're not reflecting Christ when you give in to sinful anger. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 5. Again, Beatitudes. I mentioned this earlier about murder, and Jesus makes reference to it. Verse 21 says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. This is important. Jesus doesn't just stop at the physical culmination of anger. He addresses the matter of the heart, and he says, look, Whatever is happening in your heart that would lead you to hurt somebody else, that's the real issue. Back to what I said earlier, it's, it's your perceived injustice or it's what you love so much and like so much that you're wanting to protect it so you get angry. That is the root of the issue. But the danger here is that you are damaging interpersonal relationships. So the first danger is that you sin against the Lord. But the second thing is your anger over time actually severs relationships with the people that are around you. Now, you may have friends that are like, hey, that person's got issues. I'm out of here. They are cray cray. Yes, that that is true. But the people that it really affects are those that are hitched to you and they don't have a choice but to relate to you. That's our family. Those that continue to relate to us and have to continue to relate to us are the ones that are exposed to our anger the most. And those that can get out of relationship with us because we are angry people get out of relationship with us. They don't want to relate to us. The second danger is that we sever relationships. And then I would say the last danger are all of the practical consequences. Things like losing your temper at work can cost you your job. 
If you're in an argument with your neighbor about how tall their grass is, if you are not careful, there will be some significant consequences that come with that. But those are really a third order. That's not primary importance. What's primary is that we dishonor the Lord because we're not reflecting him back. We're not looking like Christ. In our anger, we're worshiping something else over God. And that's why we give in to sinful anger. The next consequence is we start to damage the relationships that are around us instead of protect them and invest in them and make them enjoyable as best as we can. And then comes the consequences. So it's never going to work to threaten your angry person in your life, your child, sibling, parent, with the consequences. That doesn't mobilize change. What mobilizes heart change is saying, well, is this who God wants you to be? Are you worshiping God supremely? in the times when you're angry. The danger will never work by forecasting that you could go to jail, and you could. That's just going to maybe prevent us from going as far as we would like to go in our anger. But real change comes at the level of the heart where we say, well, what, what has taken God's place in my life? That is what is the real issue. Okay, last passage I'd like you to turn to today. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to end our episode today with Ephesians 4, because this is going to be a central passage. In fact, this is the only passage in all of Scripture where we see that you can be righteously angry. Fundamentally, your anger is not sinful. According to verse 26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. There it is, folks. Like if you're looking for the passage that says you can be angry and not sin, this is it. You can be angry and not sin. And yet, do note that in this context, go down to verse 31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. That's the same term. Is it possible to be angry and not sin? Yeah, it is possible. Is it probable? Maybe, question mark. I don't know. Like, just experientially think of your own life. Are you good at being angry and not sinning? I'm not great at it, I'll be honest. When I'm angry, I'm tempted to act emotionally. I'm tempted to let my feelings dictate my response as opposed to the truth of God's word. So before we just say, yeah, man, I can be righteously angry and that ain't no problem in my life. It's It probably is more of a problem than you would like to admit. That's why Paul says, hey, look, you do need to put off anger. And if you find yourself being an angry person, don't legitimize it as this world's crazy and that's why I'm so angry all the time. You really do need to evaluate, should I put off anger more than harbor it, more than allow it to stay? So at the beginning in verse 26, yes, you can be angry and not sin. That is possible. So these two categories, after we've talked through the idea of danger with this prognosis and what do we do with our anger, we identify, is it sinful or is it not sinful? Am I angry over what would make God angry? Uh, There are certain things in this world that should probably rile you up a bit more than they do. Every time I see abortion statistics, it like burns me just a little bit on the inside to think of the murder that we are conducting. That type of thing should rile a righteous anger within you, but yet we cannot give in to sinful responses. So you ask yourself the question, am I angry over what God would be angry over? And there may be some things that should rile you up a bit more than what they do. But if I'm not angry over what God would be angry over, then I need to recognize that this is something that is sinful. I got to put it off. Like I really need God's help to replace this with a put off and then to put on proper worship of him and proper attitudes towards the circumstance. So I'm angry over what God would be angry over. 
after that, I then begin to learn what to do with my anger. So it is very possible to be angry over the right things, but express it in the wrong ways. And it's still sinful, guys. Are you, are you hearing me on this? That would still be wrong. And yet, if I'm angry over the right things, that should propel me to respond to my anger in the right ways. So when I am mistreated and you are mistreated, you may have a legitimate righteous anger that swells within you. And yet, you should not respond to that mistreatment in a way that is furthering sin. You respond to mistreatment with mistreatment. That's wrong. You have let your anger over the right thing translate into a sinful response, so uh, expression that is inaccurate. So as we end today's episode, here are the highlights. I've talked through what is anger, what are the typical manifestations and the dangers. And I'm going to finish with some diagnoses and the goal that we're going to move to in our next episode. So the diagnosis is, am I angry over what would make God angry? When we come back in our next episode, I want to talk about the goals of anger, because technically speaking, my goal is to not just be a more peaceful person. You know, I have my legs crossed. Um, Greg is not affected by anything. Oh, that's not my goal. My goal is to actually glorify the Lord first. And that should be your goal as well. That's what the scripture puts before us. And then we experience healthy relationships. And then we experience peace that brings us joy and delight in our circumstances. But our goal is, first of all, that God would be honored. That's why we want to deal with our anger in righteous ways. So thanks for listening today. Let me pray for you as you meditate on these things and attempt to apply them to your life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to serve the listeners. I pray that as they're hearing these things, that the truth of your word would impact them in a way that is beneficial, that there are those that are listening and struggle with anger or have angry relatives in their life, that you would give them wisdom on how to take what your word says and appropriate it to their life so that first of all, they would honor you and then experience the joy of healthy relationships that honor you. So give us grace to do this. And we ask for help in Jesus name. Amen.